Are we ready? Are you all in John 9? Okay, Kristen's going to come, and she's going to read John 9 for us, the whole thing. We're going to tackle this whole thing this morning, okay? Here's John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man, blind from birth, and, as, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, while it is, while it is his day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your, how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud at mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who, say, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. You, know, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are, are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened your eyes? 
We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not do nothing. They answered him, You were born in the utter sin, and you would teach us. And they said, Cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And you he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now, you, but now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. It's possible, I suppose, that I'm the only one who does this, but when I uh, haul in groceries from the grocery store or from Sam's Club, uh, I like to take as much in each trip as I can. In fact, full disclosure, I'd prefer to take one trip if I could. And that sometimes leads to, you know, pinched fingers and awkward things if you've got the bags because you want all these bags in one and some bags are going to require a couple of fingers and some you might get by with just one. On Friday, I was stacking up, uh, you know, you don't get bags at Sam's Club, so I was stacking up all of these square cereals and so on that I picked up at Sam's Club and trying to figure out, am I, can I, could I put those eggs on top of this stack? And I decided not to, but I really wanted to because those eggs cost me an extra trip to the car. I, I don't know why that matters so much, but it's just foolishness. What? <laughs> if anyone were even to ask me, do you want some help? You all know I would say, no, I've got this, right? I have this under control. Do you know what that is? That's pride. It's just pride. My pride resists help. What would happen if I said, you know, I could really use some help unloading these groceries? I would get help, no one would get hurt, and nothing would be damaged in the process, right? We'd haul in our groceries together. But when I don't feel my deep need, then I don't ask for help. And even when help is offered, pride makes me say, no, no, I got this. Do you remember singing this song? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's when you feel the guilt 
of sin, that you desire the grace of salvation. It's when you feel how lonely you are and you recognize, I am lost, that you know you need to be found. It's when you feel the darkness of your own blindness that you celebrate seeing those who feel their deep need, those who feel their need most deeply, have God's grace most sweetly. After Jesus confronts the stubborn unbelief of the religious leaders in the temple, Jesus leaves and he encounters a man with congenital blindness. That means he was born blind. He had never seen anything or anyone. Kids, if you were born blind and you had never seen anyone or anything, what do you think you would miss the most? What would you miss seeing the most? The disciples asked Jesus a really big question, and maybe this is a question that you've asked. This is their question. Whose sin caused this man to be born blind? Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? Hmm. Interesting question. As the disciples understood it, all suffering is the direct result of sin. And Jesus corrects them. I'm so glad that he does. Jesus corrects them and says, it wasn't his sin or his parents' sin. Now, Jesus is not suggesting that this man is not a sinner. He is a sinner. We are all sinners. But his sin is not the cause of his suffering. There is another reason, and it's a reason that the disciples just have not considered. But it's a wonderfully important reason. This man has lived his entire life without seeing anything so that Jesus can exhibit the power and the glory of God in his life. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Think about that phrase, the works of God might be displayed in him. Think about the halls of an art museum. And perhaps down one hall you have um, impressionistic paintings. And maybe down another hall of this art museum you have portraits. And down another hall you have what would probably be my favorite, and that is watercolors. All these different places of 
of putting art on display, showcasing what you have done. Your life is like a hall of a museum. And Jesus is putting the power and the glory of God on display in your hall. It's like Jesus is walking around this museum and saying, wait till you see what's around this corner. I have so much more to show you. Follow me down this hall. Let me show you something else. God made this man with broken eyes so that Jesus Christ could give him new eyes. His suffering is not pointless. His suffering is purposeful. He is blind for the glory of God. He is blind for the glory of God. Is that the way that you think about your suffering? When you endure trials and hardships and persecution, when things don't go your way, when life is hard, is that how you think about your suffering? This is for the glory of God. My life is a hall for God to put His power and glory on display. I don't think this way in suffering. I have an amazingly low pain tolerance. And when I suffer, my response tends to be something like this. Lord, after all that I have done for you, this this is how you're going to treat me? I get so caught up then with making this suffering stop that I miss the most important thing. That my suffering is not pointless, it's purposeful. And Jesus wants to show me it down another hallway and say, I have something of God's power and God's glory to show you. Won't you just follow me down here? Let me show you what I'm going to do in your life. God is doing stuff in our suffering. I say stuff, not because it's unimportant, but because I often can't see it. Can you relate with that? I often can't see what God is doing. I can't wrap my mind around what God is doing. I often think this can't possibly be the right thing. But nevertheless, God is doing stuff in my suffering. He is working out His purpose, His glory, His power, through our suffering.
But here's what I'm learning. And maybe we can keep learning this for a while together. When I think I'm so tough that I can handle life on my own, like when I'm stacking groceries to get them into the house, or when I think I'm so tough that I'm too proud to admit that I need help, I miss out on grace. Peter tells us why that's true. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, it seems as though this conversation that the disciples and Jesus are, happen- are having is happening right near the blind man. Imagine if after hearing this conversation, the blind man says, are you guys all talking about me? You think I'm blind? You think I need some kind of help? That's so judgmental. Hmm. No, he feels his need most deeply. And he is about to have God's grace most sweetly. Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud and puts this mud on the blind man's eyes. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. It may be that he was endeavoring to encourage the blind man's faith. It may be that he wanted the blind man and everybody around him to have a visual reminder of just how blind this guy was. So he he cakes his eyes with this mud. It may have been that he wanted to give the blind man something to wash away when he went to the pool. It may have been because Jesus determined to offend the Jews by performing this miracle on the Sabbath and making mud on the Sabbath was forbidden by their tradition. I don't know why exactly Jesus did this, but what I do know is exactly what happened next. Looked at verse number seven. Jesus said to the man, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus did this. Jesus gave this man brand new eyes. He goes home, and he catches the attention of his neighbors. And even as our sister Kristen was reading that, it's so funny because they're like, is that the blind guy? But now he's seeing. And then some are like, I don't really think that's him, but maybe he just kind of looks like him. He's his twin or something. And all the while, the scripture tells us, he just keeps saying, this is really me. I'm the blind guy, and I'm not blind anymore. Verse 10. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, 
Go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. It's as simple as that. Jesus said, go wash. I went and washed, and now I can see. So the neighbors bring the not blind man to the Pharisees so that this can be investigated. I mentioned last week that the Pharisees are well-educated, they are very religious, they are rule keepers, and they have two dilemmas. Here's their first dilemma. Jesus, who they hate, has indisputably performed an amazing miracle. And their second dilemma is that Jesus, whom they hate, did this miracle on the Sabbath. So they see him as a sinner, a rule breaker. He did not keep our law. And yet, how is it possible that this sinner, this rule breaker, did this indisputably wonderful miracle. This is the dilemma, the two dilemmas that the Pharisees have. They are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They desperately do not want to affirm that Jesus did this miracle, but there is no denying it. But they don't know what to do with Jesus because they consider him a sinner for doing this miracle on their Sabbath. And so the Pharisees interrogate the not blind man's parents. That's down in verse number 19. They ask them, is this your son? Notice the contempt in this phrase. Who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. So, the Pharisees call in the not blind man for a second interrogation, and that is down in verse number 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. This this means they are putting him under oath. Remember, the next thing you are going to say, you are saying it before God. Don't you dare tell a lie. That's what they mean when they say give glory to God. Give glory to God, verse 24 We know that this man is a sinner. Do you? Do you know that this man is a sinner? Verse 25. He answered, this is the blind man 
who is now the not blind man, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Skip down to verse 31. We know, the not blind man is continuing, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man, verse 33, were not from God, he could do nothing. This would be a perfect time for the Pharisees to be humble. Hmm? This would be a perfect time for them to admit, to feel their need most deeply and have God's grace most sweetly. But they hate Jesus. And they cannot tolerate this man's testimony about him. Can you imagine the Pharisees showing up for worship on the next Saturday and having to see this guy's beaming face and cheerful smile, his bubbly personality because he's never seen anything and everything is new and wonderful to him? They couldn't tolerate that. He's got to go. And so they excommunicate him. But Jesus hears what they have done, and Jesus finds him. What sweet grace. See, Jesus is still walking down the hallway of this man's life. He has something else to show off. He's going to put God's power and glory on display again. Picture this scene. The not blind man is standing face to face with the light of the world. And the light of the world says to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? A suffering sinner is about to become a saint. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Look at his response in verse 36. He, the not blind man, answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Wasn't it an 80s hairband that sang, Give me something to believe in? That's what I think about when I read this verse. This not blind man is just looking for someone to believe in, and here he is standing right in front of him, the light of the world. Jesus, you're looking at me. (laughs) You're seeing me. The Son of Man, it's me. I'm standing right here in front of you. That's me. And what does the blind man, how does he respond? Lord, I believe. And then what? Immediate worship. (sighs) 
this would be a lovely ending to the story. Except John and the Holy Spirit have more to say to us. There's an application that John and the Holy Spirit want to make of this story to our lives. Look down at verse number 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Hmm. This word judgment, Jesus is talking about, this is, this is not the idea of condemnation. He's making a statement about separation. Think about when you sort puzzle pieces. I assume everybody mostly does puzzles the same way, right? Like you, you sort out all of the border pieces first. You kind of want the border pieces so you can define the edges of your puzzle. And then you've got everything else. What are you doing? You're, you're separating. Or you could think about how when you do laundry and you separate out. I have all of the, the darks over here, and I have the sheets over here, and I have the lights over here. I'm, I'm making a separation. I'm making a distinction. That's what Jesus is saying here. When he says for judgment, the point that he is making is that some, some, will feel their guilt. They will feel the guilt of their sin and they will embrace salvation. Some. But some won't. Some will admit being lost and those who admit how lost they are, they will be found. But some will never admit how lost they are. Some will admit their blindness. And they will have sight. But some will never admit their blindness. And they will go on not seeing. Look at the Pharisees' response in verse 41. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. They heard what Jesus said about making a separation. And said to him, Are we also blind? Narrator voice. Yes. Jesus said to them, verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. If you would only admit your blindness, 
I would give you sight to see. But because you refuse to acknowledge your blindness, you're blind. You just continue on in your blindness. What does it mean when, when you would say, we see? Well, I can see how good I am, especially if I compare myself to others. Hmm? I can see that there's lots of sinfulness out there, but I don't see that sinfulness in here. I see my commitment to religion. I see my commitment to doing my best and trying harder and being better. I see that. I see my whole life ahead of me. This sounds a lot like me hauling in groceries. I've got this. I can take care of myself. I'm doing pretty good on my own. I understand the way to God, and I am working my way to Him. I don't need any help. But look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In their case... The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus says, you all keep, seeing, you all keep saying, we see you're blind until the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ you are as blind about your own sin and your own guilt as the blind man you can't see it you don't recognize your need for grace but maybe today the Holy Spirit is giving you a sense of your need. And the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to see your own blindness. That you haven't thought carefully about the gospel. That you haven't considered the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. That all of your efforts is not getting you to God. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is giving you new eyes to see that you are lost and need to be found. Maybe He is giving you eyes to see that you are a sinner in need of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When you feel 
your need most deeply, you'll have God's grace most sweetly. Brothers and sisters, grace is not just for the moment of conversion. God's grace is sufficient for a lifetime of discipleship with Jesus. I wonder where you feel your need most deeply this morning. Where is it that as we read Psalm 13, you are crying out, How long, O Lord? How long? Perhaps it's a relationship, or maybe there is an idol in your life, an idol of power or pleasure or wealth. Maybe there is loneliness or deep disappointment. Perhaps there is depression. Maybe there is fear about the future or insecurity about your parenting. Be humble about your deep need. Because God gives grace to the humble. Don't say, I see. Don't say, I've got this figured out. Say, Lord, I believe and worship. Lord, I believe that I am desperately in need of your grace. Would you continue to show me around hallway after hallway of your amazing power and glory in my life? I believe, Lord, that my suffering is purposeful and not pointless. I believe that you are giving me sufficient grace for every moment of every day. Should we pray about that together? Okay. Good Father, you know our pride You know the ways that we are tempted to say, I am seeing all of this so clearly, and you know just how blind we really are. For those of us who are your children this morning, we are grateful that your Holy Spirit has opened our eyes, that our stubborn unbelief has been overcome by your grace. We would desire to celebrate with others this morning who have their eyes opened and the God of this world, the devil, he is no longer blinding them, no longer making them say, I see clearly. Instead, your Holy Spirit is giving them eyes to see their sin and their guilt and the glory of the cross of Jesus and their desperate need of grace. Oh God, grant salvation this morning. Open their eyes to see the beauty of the Lord Jesus. Grant them repentance and faith so that they repent and believe this gospel. Father, would you help us to continue to learn day by day by day to be humble before you 
and to receive the grace that we so desperately need. Convict us where we have been tempted to think that the suffering that we are enduring is is pointless, it's meaningless. Convict us of that. Forgive us of that type of thinking and stir up in us fresh faith to see all that you are doing, all of the many ways that your glory and your power are being put on display in our lives. Father, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be with us. Please help us as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.